Um, is this thing then, on? Is yours yes. on? Mine's on. Mine's on. Okay, Mine's good. on. I can hear myself. So today we're talking about the art of the interview. Um, there are many different ways to conduct an interview. And again, I think this is something that has to do with your personality and you being you, but there are definitely guidelines and there are mm -hmm. things that can help you through the process. So first of all, Seth, um, you just told me that you have 80 interviews coming out. Uh, on the same day, 80, that's on the a Guinness same day. record. Yes. That's a Guinness record. So you, if that's coming out in one day, that's only a fraction of the podcast that you've been interviewed on. Um, what was your favorite interview ever and why? Favorite one is easy. And then I have uh, things to avoid, but my favorite one okay. was my dear friend, Krista Tippett. Um, she made me cry at the end. She didn't do it on purpose. Uh, when I want to remember the best version of me, I listened to that podcast. Krista left just the right amount of space, created the right amount of tension, brought the right amount of care. Uh, every day I try to be that person. It's hard to keep up, but uh, yeah, that's easy. Wow. Okay. And then we'll link the, that number in the, two in the are the notes. six podcasts I've done with my friend Brian Koppelman. And the fact that we've done six together, the fact that he's one of my closest friends, the fact that he is a world-class interviewer. If you go listen to the moment, there are plenty of famous people if you like famous people. There are people you never heard of if you like that. But Brian figures out while the interview is unfolding how to get to where he needs to go. Sometimes it takes him 45 minutes to an hour to get the person comfortable enough to get to the truth of the key question. And Brian is present for it. If you want, if you listen to the Robbie Robertson episode, Robbie Robertson from the band has done even more interviews than me. And he's bored. You can hear he's bored with his own voice. And right. about 20 minutes into the canned answers, Brian tells a story and suddenly Robbie's interested. And suddenly Robbie has something to say and the whole interview shifts. So that's a masterclass of how it could be done. Yeah, I think you just mentioned it and I love thinking about this when you're interviewing somebody is being present. Um, and that's really one of the most critical parts of being a good interviewer is being present. I worked at Minnesota Public Radio after grad school. That was my first job in radio. Um, and my boss there named Carrie Miller, shout out Carrie Miller. I love her. She used to do, I mean, I think she, she, she might be down to two hours, but when I started working for her as a producer on her show, she was doing three hours of live radio every single day three hours and within each hour there were three segments so she was doing nine segments with different guests of live interviews every single day um the amount of research and work that was involved was enormous but one of the things that she did and this is you know i don't know if i would jump right in on the deep end by doing this but um she was at the point where every single person no matter who she was interviewing she would write five questions no more than five questions because by writing the five questions, you're forced to be completely present in that interview because you're going to like, if you're the type of person who thinks you're just going to run down the list of questions, it's going to be really hard for you to be present. I remember in my first days of journalism school doing that and showing up to an interview with just a page of type notes and trying to listen in one ear of what they're saying, but really trying to figure out what my next question was going to be. 
Um, and so, you know, I don't know if you want to do the five questions thing right now. Maybe, maybe it's better to be overprepared in the beginning, but there is something to be said for making sure you can figure out the way that you can listen. Every single thing that your guest is saying, you want to be present for and listen for and be able to respond to. It shouldn't necessarily be an interview where it's just like one thing after the other. It should be a conversation that flows. And the only way you're going to create flow is if you're listening to what the person says. So I think being present. So I'm going to jump in here. Mm -hmm. One of the worst interviews I ever did was with Larry King because Larry King can read questions and make it sound like he's not reading, but you're not as good as Larry King. Anyone is not as good as Larry King at reading questions. And even Larry, you know, he would read a question that directly repeated something I had just said in my answer because he wasn't even aware that I was in the room. It was absurd what he was doing, but he's Larry King, so he could get away with it. Here's... My first rule, you can come up with five questions, but leave them behind. Do not bring them into the room with you. Do not read questions. It is so insulting to the person you've invited to have a conversation with for you to read from notes, right? Because you wouldn't do that on a date. You wouldn't do that anywhere with a real person. So if you have three things, or five things you want to talk about, sure, you can have one word in front of you, but that's bad habit number one. And then bad habit number two is sending the questions to the person in advance. So now you're reading the questions and they're reading the answers. Boy, that sounds like fun. Right. That's, that is, and a lot of people, that's actually has come up in the, in the class on several occasions, whether or not people should send questions ahead of time. First of all, the journalist in me says, absolutely not always, always never, never, send the questions because people are going to have canned answers at the end of the day, no matter what. And I think you're completely right going in. I love the idea of going in with just a word and not even having five questions written, because I think you're right. Not everyone has the ability to make that question sound natural. And for your listener and for your guest, it's not going to, it's not going to be a good experience when you sound like you're reading things off of the page. The other thing that it's really important as an interviewer is to be in control. And so the main, like, I think you're totally right, Seth you can say, I'm not entirely sure where this is going and you can be transparent. It's not like being in control doesn't mean that you have all the answers all the time. It means that your guest feels comfortable and feels like you, you got this. Do you know what I mean? They're coming in and they're feeling held and they're feeling seen and they're feeling like you are creating the environment for them. And I know that I have made this mistake again. This is bringing up so many memories of early days of journalism school, but going into these interviews and feeling like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? What am I doing now? Feeling very out of control. And when you're feeling out of control, it can be hard to act like you're in control. But that's something that in these early days, when you're first practicing interviews, you kind of have to act as if you have to be in the driver's seat. You have to be the one who's taking the lead and, and kind of taking the reins and making and making the guest feel like everything is okay. And I think something that I've seen in the podcast workshop and elsewhere is people get um, really nervous about the recording tech, about the tech stuff while the interview is happening. And so, you know, like you, like if you're interviewing, you have to make sure your tech stuff is set up ahead of time because you can't be worried about being present at the, during the interview and having this experience with, an, with your guest while you're worrying about whether your stuff is recording or not. So all of this to say, another part of the art of the interview is making sure that your tech is handled and ready to go while the interview is happening so that you don't have to worry about it. Great point. One last yeah. uh, brainstorm for you. Something Krista does 
uh, and I will give you the Alex Godin variation of it. If you have a question that makes someone feel at ease and also starts things rolling, you can make it part of your signature. So his was, tell me what things were like at the dinner table for you growing up. I love that. Everyone has an answer to that question. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed. Some people can answer that question for half an hour without stopping. I love that question. I think I actually have that question written in one of the the lessons in the podcast workshop. Another one that that reminds me of um, that's even more simple than that is there was a podcast that's not around anymore. It's called Another Round. And they would lead what they would introduce their guests and say, what do you do and why? And so it wasn't like it was very different than what's your job? What's your occupation? What do you do and why? And the ways in which the different people, like different guests would answer that question and take it in whatever direction they wanted to go in was really amazing. So thinking about those open-ended questions is really important too. And we're going to get, we have actually a special lesson on that. So stay tuned. But meanwhile, go, go, go. Make a ruckus. Make a ruckus.